Nechemiah, Perek Yud Gimel. Nechemiah, Perek Yud Gimel is the last Perek of Nechemiah. Uh, it's also the last Perek of Tanakh study, if you've been following along with us. And the Perek deals with Nechemiah, dealing with the challenges of the day, uh, the religious issues of the people that they had, and Nechemiah's responses to them. As we'll see, Nechemiah took a break from Yerushalayim, so he went back in the 32nd year, or 12 years after he came to Yerushalayim, he went back to Persia. And finally, he came back perhaps at the end of that very same year, uh, back to Yerushalayim. As we'll see, during that year the Nehemiah was absent, uh, there were certain developments that happened that Nehemiah came back and immediately dealt with. Pasuk Aleph. And on that day, the book of Moshe was read in the ears of the people, and it was found written in it that an Ammoni or Moavi shall not enter the congregation of Hashem forever. There's two main different ways which you can understand on that day what it's referring to. Uh, the Mishudot understands that it's referring to the day just that we just spoke about uh, in the end of Pedicut Bet, when we spoke about the consecration of the walls of Yerushalayim and the great happiness that there was on that day. However, it is slightly difficult to understand that it's referring to that day. And the reason is, is because it sounds like this Pedic, Pedic and Gimel is happening, all of the Pedic is happening after Nehemiah came back from Babel. And so therefore, if it's already after he came back, uh, he hadn't left when they finished building the walls and sanctified the city yet. Uh, so it does sound like uh, this is all happening after. Therefore, the Malbim and other Mepharshim understand that that day, is referring to a day that we'll see in Pasuk Chet, when Nehemiah takes action in the Beit HaMikdash. However, what that means is that day is much later, after the end of Pedicut Bet, the sanctification of the wall. Uh, we're now talking about already after Nehemiah left and came back to Yerushalayim, and so therefore it's several years later. Uh, and at this point, they were reading about how Anamuni and Moavi shall not come in the congregation of Hashem. The Pasuk refers to Sefer Moshe, the book of Moshe, which refers to Devarim. The reason why Devarim is refers to as Sefer Moshe is because it's essentially in first person from Moshe. Uh, it's Moshe speaks to the people and there's several Pesukim in which it's clear that it's Moshe speaking in first person. Essentially, it's Moshe's speech to the people at the end of his life. The prohibition against an Ammoni and Moavi marrying into Bnei Israel is specific to Ammoni and Moavi, and that is that no matter how many generations later, they may still never enter into the congregation uh, so even 10th generation or 20th generation converts uh, may not marry into the Jewish people. Famously, this prohibition only includes the male children of Ammoni and Moavi, does not include the female children, uh, so one may marry a female convert from Ammon and Moav, uh, much like Boaz did with Pasuk Bet. Because they did not come forward to Bnei Israel with bread and water and hired Bilam against him to curse him and God transformed the curse into a blessing. The Ramban in the Varim Perekaf Kimon Pasuke of the place where the actually saw of marrying in Ammoni and Moavis listed uh, further explains this reasoning of that they didn't come forward with bread and water. And he explains that Ammon and Moab were resulted from Lot. Lot, in turn, was saved from the city of Sodom by Abraham. And thus, essentially, these people, in addition to being close relatives to the Jewish nation, uh, owed the Jews a debt of gratitude for the, what Abraham did for them.
Ammon and Moab, in turn, not only did not repay the debt of gratitude, they didn't even go as far as to extend standard courtesy to people traveling to desert and offer them food, water and food. At the end of the Pasuk, when it mentions how the hiring of Bil'am, it says, Hashem turned the curse of Bil'am to a blessing. It may be understood that this is not exactly relevant to what they did wrong. However, it's simply mentioned as part of the thanks to what Hashem did for us. Malbim, however, understands that this is indeed a reason why we should not, we are not allowed to marry them. Don't think that because Bil'am did not end up cursing them, they're exonerated. The only reason why he didn't end up cursing is because of Hashem. However, their intent was indeed bad. And therefore, that's part of, keep in mind why you're not allowed to marry them. The only reason they didn't curse you was because of Hashem. However, that was their true intentions. And when they heard the Torah, they separated all the mixture from Israel. Here we see in this pasuk that clearly was still a problem of the intermarriage, particularly with people who were not allowed to convert, Ammon and Moab. And when they read this pasukim, the people accepted upon themselves uh, to remove all the Ammon and Moab from amongst the people, uh, to separate from them and follow the Torah, not allowing to intermarry with these two particular nations. Pasuk Dalit. And before this, Eliashiv the Kohen was placed in the chamber of the house of our God, and he was close to Tubia. Essentially, now we're getting the backdrop to what happened. Uh, Nehemiah is filling us in on exactly how bad this problem of the intermarriage and non-Jews or people not allowed to come into the Kahal uh, was. So before this, before what happened in the past three Pesukim where they read the Torah and separated from the non-Jews and those not, they're not allowed to marry, Eliashiva Kohen had an office essentially in the Beit HaMikdash and he was a close confidant and friend of Tobiah. If you remember, we know Tobiah from the beginning of Sefer Nechemiah. He was one of the enemies who tried to stop the building of the walls of Yerushalayim and tried to take down the initiatives of Nechemiah. Pesuke, and he made for him a large chamber, and it was there that they used to bring the meal offering, the frankincense, the vessels, the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil, commanded for the Ludiim, the singers and the gatekeepers, and the separated portions for the Kohanim. Essentially, what Eliashiv did was set aside a place in the Beit HaMikdash, which used to be a gathering place uh, for all the t- gifts that the Kohanim and Levim got. We saw in Pedigud Bet, when they sanctified the wall, the Yerushalayim, and finished building the walls, uh, they actually set aside a place to bring all these things so all the people could bring them to the Beit HaMikdash. Now, while Nehemiah left Yerushalayim, as we'll see in the next Pasuk, as El Yashiv took the space that was used for the Kohanim and Levim and gave it to Toviah, the enemy of the Jews. The significance of this act is particularly strong. Uh, he's taking away what was just rededicated to give to the Kohanim and Levim in return for their service to God and instead giving it to an enemy. Pasuk Vav. lo ha'iti Yerushalayim. Bati el 
And during all this, I was not in Yerushalayim, for in the 32nd year of Achtashasta, the king of Babel, I came to the king, and at the end of the year, I requested leave of the king. As we spoke about, here's where we see that Nehemiah left. The 32nd year would have been 12 years after Nehemiah came, so definitely the wall was already built, and the sanctification of the wall must have already happened when Nehemiah left. Which is why, as remember, in the beginning of the Perek, Pasuk Aleph, by Yom Hahu, we explained as referring to a time after uh, the dedication of the Yerushalayim and the finish and the completion of the building of the walls. We translated Lukets Yamim as at the end of the year. It is also possible that Yamim here means multiple years and it was several years later that Nehemiah was returning to Yerushalayim. Pasuk Zayim. And I came to Yerushalayim, and I understood the evil that Eliashiv did concerning Toviyah to create for him a chamber, the courtyards of God's temple. And this was greatly evil to me, and I cast out all the materials of the house of Toviyah outside from the chamber. Pasuk Tet. Vaumra vaitaharu halishachot vashiva sham kle bet Elohim et mincha vahalivona. And they gave word and they purified the chambers and I returned to there all the vessels of the house of God, the mincha and the livona. Nehemiah right away takes charge and returns the chambers to their original use, rolls out all the things of Toviah and places them once again for holding things uh, that were used in the service of God in the Beit HaMikdash. Pasuk Yod. Vaid'ah ki minayot hauviyim lo nitana, leivrechu ish lesadehu hauviyim hamashoririm oseha melacha. And I knew that the portions of the viyim was not given, and they had escaped each man to his field, the leviyim and the singers, the ones who do the work. While he was in the Beit HaMikdash clearing out the Lashachot, Ezra noticed that there clearly was the masrot for the leviyim was not given. Perhaps he recognized that there were simply no stores there of food or grain that was supposed to be given. Perhaps he's noticed that there were no Levi'im around and asked what occurred. And he quickly realized that all the work they had done years before when they finished the walls and consecrated the city was not being kept. People were not giving their tithes. And the whole point to keep the Levi'im and the Kohanim there to worship and to work in the Beit HaMikdash uh, was defeated. All the Levim had to go back to their fields to work the fields and get and support themselves. Pesuk Yudalif. Va'ariva et seganim va'amra madua ne'azav bet Elohim va'ek betzem va'anidem al'amdam. And I fought with the nobles and I told them, Why has the house of God been forsaken? And I gathered them and stood them there at their places. Nehemiah right away turned to the powerful people, the nobles, to rectify the situation. Pasuk Yudbet. And all of Yehuda brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil to the storehouses. Nehemiah quickly fixed the situation. And once again, the entire nation began resuming the process of bringing there to the Motema Asrot to the Beit HaMikdash. Pasukid Gimel. Va'otsra al otsarot shelemiyah ha-kohen v'tzatok ha-sofer uftaya min ha-leviyim v'al yadam Hanan ben Zakur ben Matanya ki ne'emanim nechshavu v'alehem ha-halok v'achehem. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses shelemiyah the kohen and tzatok the sofer 
and Pedayah from the Levigim, and assisting them, Hanan, the son of Zahur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered to be faithful, and it was placed upon them to split up amongst their brothers. Uh, so essentially, Nehemiah wanted to make sure that this kept going. He doesn't want it to stop again like it stopped when he left Yerushalayim and placed faithful people uh, in charge of collecting and splitting up the Masirot. Pasuk Yedalit. Remember me, my God, for this, and do not discontinue my kindness that I did in the house of my God and with his watches. Nehemiah here essentially is calling out the amount of work and difficulty uh, which he faced battling the important people, uh, confronting them, ensuring this is in place, and prays to Hashem to continue to give him scoot for his actions. Pasuk Tedvav. In those days in Yehuda, they tread on wine presses on Shabbat and bring bundles and load them on the donkeys. Also wine, grapes, figs, and every type of load they bring to Yerushalayim on Shabbat, and I warned them on the day when they sold provisions. Nehemiah now turns to another problem when he returned to Yerushalayim, and that is the people used to be working on Shabbat, and what they used to do is bring in from, this, from the fields all the various things that they were going to sell, uh, going through several isurim of working their animal, perhaps carrying an actual field work, as well as actually press the wine, press the grapes to make the wine, a toledav dash. So definitely being over there on biblical prohibitions of Shabbat. And what Nehemiah did when he saw all this, he waited till they were all together on the market, essentially market day, and warned them and I told them all for their actions. There were additional actions being done. Pasuk Tezayin. Vahatsurim yashvuvah nevi'im dag v'chol mecher umochrim ha-shabbat divnei Yehuda of Yerushalayim. And the Tzurim sat within, would bring fish and all types of merchandise and sell it on Shabbat to the children of Yehuda and in Yerushalayim. Furthermore, Nehemiah continues, non-Jews would bring merchandise and conduct business on Shabbat inside Yerushalayim and the Jewish people would be buying from them. Pasuk Yitzayim. So I fought with the aristocrats of Yehuda and I told them, what is this evil thing which you're doing desecrating the day of Shabbat? Pasuk Yudchet. This is what your forefathers did, and our God brought upon us in all this evil and on this city. And you bring additional wrath upon Israel, desecrating the Shabbat. Nehemiah is only several generations after the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. They've just been returned to the land from exile. And Nehemiah is telling them, how can you do this? How can you go against Hashem? And Shabbat was one of the reasons why we left our first place and why our forefathers were punished. And you continue to desecrate Shabbat and bring even more anger from Hashem upon us. In addition to essentially fighting with the people and with the leaders, Nehemiah takes a bunch of specific actions uh, we'll see in Pasuk Yitet. Vayihi kasher tzalelu sha'arei Yerushalayim l'tnei Shabbat, v'amura v'yisagiru hadilatot v'amura shelo yiftachum ad achar Shabbat. U'minarai he'amadati al ha'sha'arim lo yavom masa b'yom ha'shabbat. 
And it was when the gates of Yerushalayim cast shadows before Shabbat, and I gave word, and they closed the doors. And they gave word that they should not be opened until after Shabbat. And I stationed my servants upon the gates. No load shall be brought in on Shabbat. When the gates of Yerushalayim grew shadows, meaning when the sun was setting on Friday, uh, when the shadows started to be casting, it was towards the end of the day, the Chemiah actually closed the doors of the gate to be closed until after Shabbat so that people could not go out, uh, pre- do work in the fields, bring in their merchandise. The, the non-Jewish people could not bring in their merchandise to sell on Shabbat, and so therefore no desecration of Shabbat will occur. Pesukah. And the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares slept outside Yerushalayim once and then twice. As Nehemiah already told us, people used to come into Yerushalayim on Shabbat to sell their wares and merchandise. Now all of a sudden they're coming and the gates locked. They came the first week, they slept outside because they couldn't get in the city. The same thing happened a second week. Pasuk Kafalif. And I warned them and I told them, Why are you sleeping opposite the wall? If you do this one more time, I will send my hand against you. From that point forward, they did not come on Shabbat. Nehemiah understood that even though the gates were locked and they couldn't actually come in, having the people sleep outside meant the mentality was that they're still going to do business on Shabbat. The people would see the people outside and his his fixtures and his takanot would not hold if this continued. He therefore threatened the people and effectively stopped them from coming and sleeping outside the walls of Yerushalayim on Shabbat. From that point forward, no more merchants tried to go and sell their wares on Shabbat. Pasuk Kafbet. And I told the Levim that they should be purifying themselves and come and guard the gates to sanctify the day of Shabbat. Also for this, remember me, my God, and have mercy upon me like your abundant kindness. Nehemiah, finally, to ensure that his takanot do stay, uh, gives a special commandment to Levim to prepare themselves and to guard the gates each week. And once again, ends in a prayer for Hashem to recognize the struggles he dealt with and to be compassionate and have mercy upon Nehemiah in the future. Pasuk Kafkimel. Also, in those days, I saw that the Jews returned with women Ashtodiyot, Amuniyot, and Moaviyot, foreign nations. Unlike those mentioned in the beginning of the Pedic, where there were Amoni and Moavi, who were converts perhaps, but not allowed to enter these kahal, these people would have been allowed to convert, except that they didn't. They were non-Jewish people who they simply married and did not bother to convert them and bring them into the Jewish people. And their children spoke half Ashtudit, and they did not know how to speak Hebrew, and likewise with the language of each nation and nation. Uh, these children brought up in a home half with, with a Jewish father, perhaps, and a non-Jewish mother, 
ended up speaking a mixture of languages, half Ashdodit, they had sort of jargon from mixed from different languages, half Hebrew, half non-Hebrew, didn't know how to speak, and really representative of the upbringing of these people, they didn't have one steady upbringing of Judaism and Torah, instead they had influences from all over the place and sort of mixed it together and were raised as rogue children. Pasuk Kafe. And I fought with them, and I cursed them, and I beat some of their men, and I tore their hair out. And I made them swear by God, if you give your daughters to their sons, and if you marry from their daughters for your sons or to yourselves. Here we see Nehemiah actually got physical, uh, he was physically fighting, tearing their hair out. They came to him, some understand, to be actually Malkut, uh, giving them lashes. Well, Bag understands that it's actually 39 Makot for being over and he served the Torah. Others, based on the Tumud, understand that it was uh, something that Nehemiah was able to inflict as deemed necessary, not necessarily 39 Makot from, for an Abra of the Torah. Pesuk Kavav. Halo al Elech Hatashilmo Melech Israel. Uvagalim Harabim Lohaya Melech Kamohu, Vahu Lelohav Haya, Vaitinehu Elohim Melech Halkol Israel. Gamoto Hechetio Hanashim Hanochriot. Did not Shlomo, the king of Israel, sin over these matters? And amongst the many nations, there has not been a king like him. And he was loved by his God. And God placed him as king over all of Israel. Also him, foreign wives caused him to sin. Nehemiah here is explaining to the people just how severe Nashi Nochriyot are. Even Shlomo, one of the greatest kings, in, not only in the history of Israel, he says, in the history of all the nations in the area. He was loved by Hashem. Hashem called him Yedid Hashem. And he was zochet to be the king of the entire nation of Israel. Even him... Having foreign wives strayed him away from the past of Hashem. How much more so the rest of the nation, how dangerous is this sin going to be for you? Pasuk And shall we listen to you to do all this great evil, to rebel against our God by bringing in foreign wives? Look how severe the sin is, and look how you propose to do such an evil thing. How can we possibly allow this to continue? And from amongst the sons of Yoyada, the son of Eliashiv, the Kohen Gadol, there was a son-in-law to Sambalat Chonani. And I drove him away from me. Essentially, one of Yoyada, who was the Kohen Gadol's sons, married the daughter of Sambalat Horani, another one of the enemies of the Jewish people that we recognize from the beginning of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah did not let this slide because of his powerful position. He was not fearful. He forcefully drove him away as well with the rest of the foreign people uh, who were not Jewish, who married into the Jewish people. Pasuk Kaftet. Remember them, my God, over those who despise the kihuna and the covenant of the priesthood and the vim. There's two ways we can understand this pasuk. Nehemiah is saying, remember those who drove out and who assisted in, in driving out those who hated the kihuna, essentially the people who married in the Kohanim, who married into foreign wives, into non-Jewish wives. Remember them for good, for not being fearful of them and driving them out. 
It could also be explained as remember them for evil, Hashem, those who hate the Kehuna and the covenant of Kehuna and to try to ruin it uh, by bringing in non-Jewish wives. Pasuk Lamed And they cleanse them from all foreign things and they establish the watches of the Kohanim and the Levim, each at his work. Here Nehemiah summarizes some of his actions. He cleansed the people of all non-Jewish wives, or as in Nehemiah's words, he purified them, and he set the watches, the Mishmarot, and put them in place for the Kohanim and Vim to continue the worship of the Beit HaMikdash, each man doing his task. Pasuk Lamedalef, Ukruban Ha'etzim, Da'etim Mizumanot, Bikurim, Zuchrali Elohai L'Tovah. And for the wood offering at its arranged times, and for the Bikurim, remember me, my God, for good. Uh, we saw earlier in Nehemiah, Nehemiah set up that the families would bring wood for the Beit, for the Beit HaMikdash, that wood was needed for the Kobanot, and he established them to bring at prearranged times uh, certain families each year, as well as for the Bikurim. Nehemiah finishes off one more time saying, As we mentioned earlier in the book, Chachamim are upset with Nehemiah for saying say that he did get punished for uh, sort of memorializing himself in his book and and having a personal request in his book so many times and trying to take credit for his actions. That's the end of Sefer Nehemiah. Chazaku Baruch to all of those who learned Sefer Nehemiah with us and a special Chazaku Baruch to all those who completed the entire Nevi'im and Kuvim with Tanakh study. It's really a fantastic accomplishment and a very impressive feat. Over the next couple of weeks, there'll be a Siyum for Tanakh study, so be on the lookout for that email. We're also going to be starting Tanakh study again this time from the Chumash. Really a fantastic opportunity to go through the entire Tanakh, and I know that I'm certainly looking forward to continuing to study together with the entire Tanakh study community.